This is Learning Innovation, the teaching and learning podcast created by Lethbridge College's Center for Teaching, Learning and Innovation. Here at CTLI, it's our job to keep education innovative and accessible, which leads to lots of interesting conversations and projects with students, educators and other interesting people and professionals in our network. We hope you'll tune in, hit play, and get inspired as we navigate and capture the dynamic landscape of teaching, learning, and pedagogy. Welcome. This is Tech Talks segment is episode number 14 of Learning Innovation, the teaching and learning podcast. I'm Tyler, and here's my co-host, Jude. Hey. Uh, And today we're going to get discuss high flex learning. And so we have with us here, Lexi Shears. I I don't know if I uh, pronounced that correctly properly, but, and Trevor Gelrich, who both work in CTLI here at Lethbridge College, and I will let them explain their role because, well, I'm going to mess up if, if I try and do it. So Trevor, you want to start? Yeah, absolutely. So my role in CTLI is I'm a learning experience designer. I have been a learning experience designer for about eight months now, so a seasoned veteran. Uh, and my role here is, uh, well, I guess we do a lot of different things, but uh, generally I work in course development and also uh, help out with uh, program reviews. And uh, within that course development, a lot of what we do is uh, supporting instructors on, uh, on their teaching strategies, assessments, and uh, you know, things of that nature. So yeah, that's what I do. Great, Lexi? Yeah, I'm Lexi Shares, and um, I'm also a learning experience designer. Uh, Trevor, I think you explained it pretty well. We uh, do all the program reviews, support instructors, course design, outcomes, all that type of stuff. How did you both get into this HyFlex project? Like, did someone force you into it, or was it? Or was it something that just the opportunity presented itself and you're like, I want to be a part of this project? You know, I think um, with COVID and everything, we had to be quick on our feet and, you know, we're going to have students who are out and um, students who are in the classroom and this opportunity presented itself and we were able to get a few units together with the help of AV and um, we, we started as with a pilot of of instructors and and kind of went from there it um it really evolved quickly okay great so i'm, I'm going to ask a, a quick icebreaker question that i'd like you guys to answer uh first of all who here has heard of mad max beyond thunderdome you all heard of that that movie yeah yes so yes, I, I, I i it's a little foggy but... <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot it's an old movie um but I know for a fact that Lexi, Trevor, and Ryan are all in floor hockey together. They play floor hockey uh, once a week. And so I have a question for all three of you. <laughs> Thunderdome is the old mantra is two, two people enter, one man leaves. Or two people enter, one person leaves. Um, but this is three people. So if we were to lock three of you in a, in a room or in the gym to play floor <laughs> hockey... Three people enter, one person leaves, and I want you each to answer and give us reasons why, who you think would leave that gymnasium. And, and I want Ryan to start first. Well, I mean, Trevor or I is leaving on a stretcher because Lexi <laughs> is absolutely vicious with a hockey stick in her hands. 
Ryan is our audio visual guy, by the way. He he's the one that edits our our audio and and the video of this video as well. So thanks, Ryan. Trevor. Yeah, I I just Lexi has really pointy elbows too, and I just I fear that. And I'm trying to remember. Like it's been a long time since I've seen Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome. I know Tina Turner has a uh, part in there. Yeah. And listening to Lexi sing is very similar to Tina Turner. And, oh my uh, goodness. Yeah, yeah. I I really think that at the end of the day, maybe this is just the easy way out. But yeah, I'm sure it would be Lexi. Ryan and I would definitely be uh, being tough. So. Okay. So yeah. Lexi, I had two answers and now I need the right answer. So if you're up. Um, personally, I think it would be Trevor because I mean, I do have really sharp elbows and Ryan makes a good point about leaving on a stretcher. Like I leave everything out on the court, I guess floor. We call it floor. floor. Um, so, I mean, I think Ryan, he's a little bit more scrappy and, uh, Trevor, he's, you know, he's tall, so I can, I can really like get him behind the knees and, and that type of thing. So he, he goes down a little easier. Okay. Thanks. I, uh, from, from all this conversation, I'm going to say that Lexi's the, the ultimate winner. Congratulations, Lexi. Thank you. And. <laughs> I was going to play floor hockey, but now maybe if you're playing, I might not. I don't know. <laughs> so let's, let's, let's move on. I want to know, I've heard this high flex thing. I've worked with it, but I want you, you two to tell me what is high flex? Who coined the phrase? Do they know how to spell? Because it's spelled H-Y-F-L-E-X. And is, is high flex an acronym? Like, why is it spelled that way? And what, well, more importantly, what is high flex? Uh, well, the spelling and things like that, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'm guessing, you know, they in education, maybe that's a thing where people try to make things sound a lot cooler than they are, or try to like, you know, <laughs> smush words together all the time. Uh, in, in terms of looking back at like the origins of high flex. And again, I didn't just Google this. This was part of uh, when we were creating a course for uh, high flex for instructors at the, the college, uh, the name Brian Beatty comes up a lot. Uh, he's a uh, professor out of uh, San Francisco state university. And uh, it sounds like they were working towards trying to find a way to be flexible for their students. And this was back in about 2005, 2006. And so they came up with, uh, through a lot of, I guess, trials and tribulations, so to speak, a, a method of trying to make sure that students had flexibility to attend class either face-to-face -face or having the opportunity to uh, attend it uh, uh, remotely as well. And so I, I believe that's kind of where if you want to have like an origin story or something like that, I, I would say it kind of goes back to, to, to Brian Beatty, but uh, yeah, that's a, okay. a little bit of the history. So the, now I've heard a lot of people uh, confuse high flex with blended delivery. Um, would you be able to explain the differences between, or even just a few differences between high flex and blended delivery? Because blended delivery was, I think <clears throat> traditionally we would have said that that 2006, 2007 uh, timeline is where we would have called that blended delivery. But there seems to be in the last three years this transition from blended delivery to high flex yeah. 
go ahead. Yeah, no, I can, I can go ahead with that. So I think the, the biggest difference is, is that um, it's flexible for students, you know, that it, it's not, this is your online portion and this is your synchronous portion. Um, it's, you can change your mode of attendance weekly by topic, according to your needs or preferences. You know, if you're a parent and you can't attend at a certain time because your kids are going to bed, you can go and watch it um, asynchronously later in the day. I mean, you can, you always have that choice no matter how you want to attend. So it's just a flex, a more flexible course structure. Um, so they can attend synchronously in the classroom. They can participate asynchronously later. Um, they could do both. They could, they can switch it up, that type of thing. And, and another huge part of HyFlex is um, the uh, synchronous and asynchronous students being able to communicate with each other in real time um, and see each other, just like you're in a classroom, having those, those conversations with your classmates. Yeah, sorry, I was just going to jump into and uh, one of the things that we've been talking to instructors about a lot is like when you are doing high flex, like if you want it to be true, like we're talking true blue high flex is the intent has to be there to think about your lesson or your instruction, what I guess your lesson beforehand that you are whatever is happening in the class live for those uh, the face to face students or the synchronous online students that the students who are watching it later are able to participate just the same as those people have done so live. And so it takes planning and forethought before the lesson, as opposed to just, you know, doing a zoom call while, you know, uh, talking to people live, like it, it requires that planning and thought beforehand as well to be true high flex, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, so I'm just, I'm, I'm, oversimplifying this, but tell me if I'm right or wrong. It, what, could you say that high flex is more student centric, generally speaking, whereas blended learning was generally speaking more instructor centric, where the instructor in blended learning, the instructor was basically just doing some similar things but it was more at their own pace, whereas high flex is more tailored towards the student being in power of how they see that delivery. That's is exactly that, right. Yeah, fair. Yeah. yeah, that's a good, that's a good way to put it. Nailed okay. it. Well, I must have been listening then. I don't know. Um, <laughs> how has the rollout gone? How, 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 what's the, what's the sense on campus? Are people enjoying it or not? Or just is this one of those typical technologies that people are kind of resistant to at the start? You know, we've had to pivot so many times with, with this, um, you know, different restrictions. Um, you know, we're allowed on campus, we're not allowed on campus, um, all of these sorts of things. And, and so I feel like we've kind of had to change the role of so many times, but we've kind of started to, you know, if you, we have a room set up. So if instructors want to come and plug in and play around and we come and help them. And then, you know, because like Trevor said, it takes a little bit of forethought and we have to know, kind of, you know, figure it out before you, you get going with it. So the rollout has been, it kind of comes in waves 
And um, some instructors are using it. I know that people in trades are using it and it's going really well. Um, others are, are trying it out for the first time. And I think some are, are planning for, for winter semester using it as well. So we kind of have a little bit all over the place. Yeah, there's there's definitely been, a, I think, a little bit of hesitancy in, in terms of uh, from some of the instructors. Me, and I think more so just because, again, they uh, a lot potentially have come back from the summer, and then it's like, here, try this new thing potentially to uh, to to help your students out with flexibility, or like Lexi is saying, when uh, new restrictions maybe come in that we have to uh, to be able to pivot. Uh, so it's uh, it's definitely been a little bit of hesitancy, I think, but. Uh, I, I've just found from my own experiences, once you kind of get the technology side set up and figured out, I think that will hopefully lead to instructors using this tool a lot more. The other thing that Lexi and I have been promoting whenever we're talking to instructors is to make sure that they are trying the technology before, like they're not just trying to plug it in five minutes before their first class of trying high flex, that they actually think about it, that they've tested the technology and have worked through it. So we're hoping uh, that we'll see uh, more instructors at least trying it out, even if it's for one lesson or two or whatever it happens to be, one lecture throughout the semester, just to try it out and see if it works for them. Uh, we're also going to be trying to track uh, the usage as well, because we want to know who's using it, where the high flex units are being utilized so we can uh, potentially, uh, I guess, just be uh, better going forward. Are you are you planning on doing a survey of the students to find out what, how they feel about it? We are now. <laughs> Great idea. I, no, no. I just, I it, just thought of it. <laughs> no, that's that's uh, we've we've talked about that as well because yeah, I mean, high flex is like you said earlier, all about the students, and and it is good to know you know what. How and, and the students in the classroom as well, you know, how does it change their learning having their peers on a television screen? How is it affecting their learning? Um, so it, it will be really interesting to hear from our students, I think. I was doing a focus group yesterday and uh, there was, I think, 18 students or so in there. And I would say overwhelmingly, the majority of the students were really interested in the idea of high flex and a couple of them actually had experience in like maybe limited fashion of a high flex classroom but they were they were all for it and uh again so and i know god that's a very small sample size but you know at the end of the day like that, that there is potential so yeah but absolutely we need to get the student perspective on this as well yeah well i'm very interested in finding out um the contrast between the instructor's experience and the student experience, because as instructors, they're kind of the producers of the content. And so there's a lot more setup. There's a lot more uh, background work that the instructor is doing, but the student as a consumer, suffice to say, um, they're actually just able to click links, uh, let the instructor know what they're doing and that kind of stuff. So they're on, on the student end, it's a lot more user-friendly as opposed to the instructor who's got to do a lot more background work. And I know that I think all of us here have worked with high flex and have set it up and done all that stuff. And we actually, many of us are support for high flex. And um, so they, it's not that, as though the instructors have no supports whatsoever. They have quite a bit of support, but I'm interested in seeing that contrast to see that user experience, to see 
if the students are really high and the, and the instructors are lower, something like that. So um, on to the next question. With HyFlex, is it the technology that's crucial or is it the way that the technology is implemented that is crucial? And what I mean by that is, is it more important that there's a process? Because many, much of the technology that we're using in HyFlex isn't new technology. It's been around for quite a while. Uh, it, and so I just want to know which, which is more important in your guys' mind. Of course, this is be very subjective, but. Like he said, none of the technology is new, but I think we mentioned before, this isn't, you know, we just come and we plug in and we go. I mean, if I'm being completely honest, sometimes HyFlex has taken me 45 minutes to set up on my computer because of the settings. And other times it's taken me five minutes. And um, I've set it up a whole bunch of times. And, and each time, you know, now that I've done it um, lots of times, my computer settings are right. My PowerPoint, you know, there's that little box that you have to uncheck or, you know, you, you now have three monitors that you're on, like finding your mouse and getting your display set up correct. You know, which one you want your PowerPoint on, which one you want, you know, your students on um, that sort of thing. So it's, I mean, the technology is important, but I think at the end of the day, once you, you just need to, you need to practice it, use it, just with any kind of technology. But once you get that figured out, I think being mindful of our students. And like you said, it is a little bit more work for instructors, um, you know, giving the students that that learning experience that um, that they all deserve, whether you're learning online, synchronously, asynchronously, you know, you're doing it in the morning, you're doing it at night. Um, I, I think just planning and, you know, having our courses structured around this is something that that takes time and and um, a lot of thought but at the end of the day I think it's something that's really important and if it's done right um, it's something that is really really great for for students and instructors so I think Lexi was saying that technology is important, but implementation is probably more important <laughs> that, that's but, what I was getting yeah, at, yeah 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 there we go. Cool. Uh, I no, I I would agree. Uh, and again, when we were kind of talking about going back to what high flex truly is and that that planning process around it, so how you implement it, and uh, even thinking about things like where you're positioning your camera and how you're being able to maybe if there are multiple cameras flipping between them, it's about that student experience. And so, uh, again, that. Uh, that willingness to practice and uh, implement it properly, I think would uh, potentially trump the technology. But at the end of the day, if the technology doesn't work or is being fussy, that's going to obviously uh, hinder your ability to, uh, to have an effective uh, class. So it's, uh, is it the, uh, what the egg and the chicken or the cart and the horse oh, yeah. or something almost right. So, yeah. yeah. Thanks very much. Jude, you haven't said much this podcast. I'd like to know what your, your take on all this is. Um, do, you, do you understand what we're talking about in, with HyFlex? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> um, my, my experience with it so far has just been using it for meetings. Um, I, I haven't used it to instruct because all of my interactions with students are all very one-on-one so far. Um, I do have some questions though. A, if instructors are struggling with getting the setup done, you guys give them, like, can offer support for helping them out with that, right? Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, they can 
call AV or IT, they can come straight down to CTLI and we can kind of come and help them. But we've also created a course in Canvas that we are recommending if you want to try HyFlex, take a look at it. I mean, there's anything from setup to, you know, how to actually design your course around it, all sorts of things. There's videos, there's pictures, um, things like that. So, I mean, somebody is always willing to help and available in CTLI, whether it's before you want to try HyFlex. I mean, that's what we recommend um, because it does take a little bit of time to set everything up. Um, but yeah, somebody's always, always here to help take some time and help you get set up. And yeah, I think when you went earlier, Lexi, when you said that it's taking you 45 minutes before yeah. to set up, I'm pretty sure that that's probably caused a coronary on instructors listening to this podcast it's, like, <laughs> it's true they, though, they, I mean, they might even turn it right off at that point but yeah but that's just though. but but that's just the first time though right after yeah. that it the, the times come down well that, yeah that's exactly it but it, it does it just takes time and you know once you kind of are used to it and and that type of thing, it, it comes a little bit more naturally. Your computer settings are all ready to go. Um, but I mean, not every single time, you know, sometimes technology is technology and um, we have to we have to know that, right? We can't just expect this to be a plug in and go and, and everything works out perfectly. Um, so, I mean, we have to kind of weigh that as well. In terms of figuring that out, I think we need there needs to be some motivation there for instructors. And I think we've talked a little bit about like why you would do that. But I think we've, if I, um, when I was listening to it, it felt a little bit like vague. Can we like really specifically, like how does high flex affect a learner? And one way that I can think about this is, for example, um, we have a lot of students who don't live in Lethbridge, the city. We have students who live in reserves near the city. We have students who live in rural communities near the city. And of course, uh, this is Canada, we get snow. Sometimes the roads are like not safe <laughs> to travel. And um, in that case, you know, usually these students tend to just kind of miss classes on, you know, the first day or two of snow because it's, you don't want to endanger your life to get to class. It's not worth it generally. But this, I think with HyFlex, then there's that option for them to be like, oh, that day, like I can't get to, I can't physically come to the campus that day. So I can kind of tune into the Zoom um, aspect of it, still attend my lessons and that sort of thing. So that's an example that I can think of that would really have, like positively affect our students is that they would miss class less because sometimes students have very good reasons for missing class. Yeah, I mean, life happens. Um, I think back to what I said at the start, it's all about being flexible and, um, you know, joining. I mean, it, it really does make education accessible for, for you, no matter what your situation is, you know, and it can, it can change day to day, um, but you're still getting that the same experiences as students in the class. And I mean, ideally. And uh, again, I think this obviously for a lot of institutions has been spurred on because of COVID and just to your point, Jude, right? Like if, uh, if I'm quarantining for whatever the rules are now, 10 or 14 or 300 days or whatever it is, uh, I can still attend my classes. Now I'm doing that via Zoom or I'm doing that as the uh, asynchronous learner watching the, the, the video later. But again, 
that instructor is able to provide me still with that learning experience. So yeah, I, I think you nailed it though. Like that's the other example we use, right. Is being in Canada and having a, uh, you know, weather that, uh, you know, isn't always cooperative, yeah. right? The weather yeah, just tries so. to kill you every now and again. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> it's just normal, right? But anyways, no, that's that's definitely another example of where it could be potentially used. But, uh, you know, that would be a bit of a tighter time frame potentially for uh, for instructors. So uh, they would have to be probably ready to ready to roll with a weather system coming in. <laughs> so. Can I answer my own question again? Because I thought of another good reason to implement hybrids. <laughs> so, um, and the reason I'm thinking of is that a lot of students, if you have a health, like a chronic health problem, uh, for example, I have chronic health problems. Um, I'm managing them a lot better than I was in my early twenties. But um, for example, if you have like a sleep disorder, even if you have depression, if you have like a chronic pain disorder, these sorts of things, you can't always guarantee that you're going to feel great every day. And sometimes you feel awful for like days on end. But somebody, somebody like me, like I was always very, very invested in my education. And I really wish that I'd had that option because there were a lot of times that I missed class, missed assignments when it was just something stupid. Like I just didn't sleep that night. So I just couldn't like attend class because it wasn't wouldn't have been productive or there were times when I attended class anyway and it really like hurt my health more and it would have been way better for me to have just like stayed physically staying stayed home that day so I think this high flex um even if you're not specifically thinking like oh I have a student who has x y and z so I'm accommodating for that I think high flex sort of um, automatically accommodates for a lot of conditions that our students might have that would make it difficult for them to follow sort of a a more um like a less flexible course and saying nods, thank you for agreeing with me. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and it's, you know, you get, you get the sniffles, you want to stay home and you have options, right? Even if you feel great and you have a, you start getting a runny nose, well, just stay home, watch it online, participate live. And it, it, it's a great option for that. Yeah. I think what you're like, what you're saying, Jude is, you know, just the general well-being of our students is something that's really important to all of us. And um, this makes that so much easier. You know, it doesn't matter what, like you said, if the student has X, Y, or Z and I'm, I'm accommodating for this, I think we all have days and, you know, sometimes you might just not be feeling well or um, something like that. And, and this, this helps with that, you know, if it's just, if it's one thing off the student's plate that day that they can, you know, check it out later, or maybe they really need to be around people and they can come to class. You know, I, I think it's, it's a great, great option. That's great. So I'm just gonna, to wrap up, I'm going to ask a question and I just want you to give a quick answer. What's your worst moment in implementing high flex, starting with Trevor this time. So he can't jump in because he obviously plays a lot of basketball because he jumps a lot. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I have yet to have like a super, I, I don't know, worst moment, but I know just for uh, Lexi and I were setting up, we were meeting with a bunch of uh, instructors. This is about two weeks ago. And we went early because we wanted to make sure that everything was working. And after about what, 40 minutes, not even 30 minutes, we called Ryan desperately being like, come help us, please, please. And like you're saying with the coronary thing, like, you know, the sweat was starting to like being like, oh man, this is going to be awful if we can't get this to work. But 
thankfully, you know, again, we went early, we had the support from Ryan to come and help set things up and uh, it worked out. So it was a lesson learned and we were practicing what we preached, but that was definitely, I would say the worst moment that I've had with any experiences so far. So a more positive spin is to say lesson learned. Lesson learned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lexi? You know, I don't think I've had a terrible experience. I mean, I, I know we have Ryan, so I wasn't sweating like Trevor, you know, I was like, you know what, we'll just call Ryan. He can come and save the day. Um, but I think, uh, so I was, I was teaching a, a course last week via HyFlex and I, my computer was dying, but I already had so many things plugged in that there was no room to plug my computer in. So I didn't want to lose my students on the TV screen. So I had to quickly grab another dongle and do some plugging in. But when I unplugged, everything went black. My laptop went black. The TV went black. And I was like, oh, no, like I'm never going to get them back. We're halfway through the lesson. Um, it, in the end, it all worked out and it was fine. But I did have that moment of like, <gasps> um, so, I mean, like I said, you know, you just never know what's what's going to happen, even if things are going perfect. Um, so that was kind of my, you know, when your screen goes black and, and you're using three screens and two of them are black, it's kind of like, ooh, this is not good. But well, it's important for us to have those experiences too, right? Because it is the instructors are having these experiences. So it gives us a little bit more empathy. That's right. And being bad at something the first time is often the first step to being kind of good at it. That's right. So. Okay. Thank you very much for being on the show. And if, if someone, the one place, if, if there is one takeaway from all of this, an instructor is having an experience like that, what's the one thing that you would tell them? The one takeaway, call Ryan, right? Exactly. Exactly. So call AV. If you're having trouble with HyFX, call AV. AV, what, what's the number at AV there? Ryan, can you... I, well, I'm not sure I, I should give it out. Um, it's, <laughs> it's well, specific to Lethbridge College, we're 3353. But I think just to answer your question in general is, uh, not to sound too preachy, but I think everybody needs to have a little bit of grace for each yeah. other. So the, the instructor needs to have grace for the, the student who can't make it or feels that they can't make it to campus. And the students need to have a lot of grace for the instructor who's walking into a classroom for the first time in 18 months. There's all this new technology. They're trying to teach one in person and one online. So like I said, I think everybody just needs a bit of room for grace. Agreed. Thanks for that, Ryan. Um, so usually we end the podcast with asking the guests, what have you loved learning lately? But uh, on this podcast, because I'm the host and not Donna, um, I'm going to ask Jude what he's loved learning lately. So Jude, what have you loved learning lately? Okay, I had to think a lot because I love learning a lot. But in particular, lately, I have really, really enjoyed learning about Indigenous perspectives. Um, and for me, it's very, uh, for me, it's very personally motivated uh, because I'm starting to learn more and more that, you know, if we took Indigenous perspectives and Indigenous knowledge a little bit more seriously, I think things like homophobia, transphobia, misogyny, ableism, like they actually wouldn't be as prevalent as they are. Uh, there's things like there's evidence that um, 
indigenous peoples were practicing intellectual property centuries before Europeans were. There's evidence that um, some nations knew about autism thousands of years ago and actually have really good accommodation methods for it, stuff like that. Um, and I'm just scratching the surface. So in particular, I've read two books lately that I'd really recommend. Uh, one of them is called Elements of Indigenous Style by Gregor Gregory Younging by uh, Brush Education. Uh, it's indigenous authored, collaboratively authored, and it's basically guidelines for how to research, write about, and cite indigenous knowledge. Um, because Western academics kind of has its notion of academic integrity and how you use information and knowledge uh, ethically and respectfully. But generally speaking, indigenous nations have different protocols for how they uh, sort of pass on their knowledge and it's crucial to the actual knowledge itself. So you can't necessarily convert indigenous knowledge to sort of a Western platform and have it just be ethical and work. Sometimes you have to take extra steps and talk to extra people and make sure that it's happening in a way that's accurate and ethical. Um, the other book that I'd recommend is called Storying Violence by Dallas Hunt and Gina Star Blanket. Um, I'm not from the prairies, I'm from Halifax. And when I first moved here, if I'm being honest, the sort of racial dynamics here really surprised me and I did not understand them. And it generally, genuinely, it is until I read this book that I finally understood like the history of um, like when people moved here and how they moved here and that sort of thing and how that affects the racial dynamics here. And now I feel like I understand it a lot better. Um, and both of those books, um, are actually very relatively easy reads, especially the elements of indigenous style. It's basically like a publication manual and those are notoriously dry. This was actually interesting to read. So I'd recommend it in general. Thanks, Jude. <laughs> <laughs> Got the double thumbs up, so we're good. Um, yeah, thanks everybody for showing up. Thanks, Trevor, Lexi, Ryan. I'm sorry I brought you into this podcast, but it was very, it was great. I'm glad I did. And you had great points and great uh, perspective and thanks Jude this episode featured Tyler Wall and Jude Bielek as co-hosts and co-producers and Trevor Gelrich and Lexi Shares as guests Ryan Robinson was our sound technician and editor thank you also to Daryl Benedek Joel Godry, Jordana Gagnon Kelsey Jansen and Donna McLaughlin for their ongoing support and expertise our podcast is funded by Lethbridge College's Center for Teaching, Learning, and Innovation, and recorded predominantly on the traditional lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy. For more information and inspiration, check out www.learninginnovation.ca. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and follow us on your chosen platform. Thanks for listening, and take care. Action! Oh, welcome to the big show! Yeah. So I know four languages. Nice. But I speak one fluently and the other three I don't understand and can't speak. So I don't so know. So you don't you speak one <laughs> so language. You speak one language. <laughs> so you want me to say that or Tyler? I'm talking to Tyler. Oh, okay. Sorry. I'm making eye con I'm making eye contact with the thumbnail on the screen, but I realize now that that's <laughs> <laughs> I love everything Ryan says and does. Oh my word. Okay. This should be getting recorded. We'll just post this and we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Make like a tree and leave. Were we like, was that good?